the message. Today we're going to talk about how God is perfectly patient. Now this is hard for us to understand in a culture where everyone is so impatient with each other. We all are. Um, We're in such a rush. I'm in the trades. So every time I ask someone when they want something done, they say yesterday. What does that mean? Everyone is, is in a rush. We're impatient with others and others are impatient with us. And so I want to talk about a few ways that I know that I'm impatient with others. Um, One is, I've been married to my wife for seven years. Over seven years now. We've been together for eight and a half years. I've been a boyfriend. And so, she, every night, at around eight o'clock, she goes into the fridge, and she gets a fruit fruit or vegetable. And I'm sitting on the couch, and she sits next to me. And she hates when I tell the story, but she still loves me. And she sits next to me, she washes this fruit or vegetable off in the sink, and she sits down, and somehow every day I forget she's going to do this. And she starts biting into this fruit or vegetable. And there's something about the vecchios. My wife is a former vecchio, and mostly her and her father. They enjoy fruits and vegetables way too much. Every crunch is just such an enjoyment that it bothers me. And I just can't take when she sits down and starts eating... This fruit or vegetable, and it's usually not just an apple or, you know, something common. It's usually from overseas, and it's extra crunchy. <laughs> and she starts biting into this. And I've, I've gone to the Lord. I've tried to be more patient. i tried to be, you know, slow to anger when it comes to this crunching of the fruit or vegetable. But I can't deal with it. And so I fight it off, and I kind of give her a look like, really? Again? You're going to sit down and do this? Then she gets impatient with me and says, Joey, can I enjoy my fruit? I'm so impatient in that way. Also, I hate yard work. Hate it with a passion. When those leaves fall, I'm just like, please, no, Lord. And I'm always in a rush to get it done. I like push off the day to rake my leaves. And I'm always in a rush. So I go out there and I want to get it done real quick. But it's not possible. And my father-in-law usually comes over and helps me because he has a passion for landscaping like no man I've ever met. And he takes his time. So I realize when he says, you know, you want to come over, want me to come over, I'll help out. I realize that I'm making a serious commitment when I do this. I can't say like after half an hour I'm going to go inside. This is like an all-day event when Joe Vec comes over to help. So it was raining this past Wednesday, and I was hoping the rain was going to keep going. Because he called me night before. He says, Joe, I'm coming over to rake some leaves tomorrow. And I'm saying, Joe, it's supposed to rain. You know, I don't know if you can make it. Around 12 o'clock, the rain stopped. 12 or 1, I hear raking outside my house. <laughs> I said, please, no. So I was going to do something else, but I realized I can't leave my father-in-law out there raking my leaves. So I go out there, and we start raking the leaves. And I realize he can't just do one thing. He's very patient when it comes to raking the leaves. He starts trimming my bush. And if you've seen Joe Vec's bushes out in front of his house, they are perfectly trimmed. It takes so much patience, and he doesn't use a machine. He snips. Each one stands back 10 feet and keeps snipping. I said, man, we're going to be here all day. In a few years before, we were doing yard work also. We're trying to take this bush out. And I'll never forget this. Because when it comes to landscaping, I have no patience. At work, I take my time. But... On my own house, I just want to get it done. 
we got, we're trying to take this bush out. Jovet got the shovel out, and I decided that I was going to manhandle this bush. I said, I'm pulling this thing out. I can't take this. Me and Jovet taking this. It's going to take all day. And I tried to manhandle this bush and rip this bush out of the ground. Jovek looked at me, and he said something I'll never forget. He said, you're trying to do something in two minutes that's going to take us 20 minutes. How many times do we try to do something in two minutes that should take, that will, should take us 20 minutes? Or do something in one day that should take us a month, or one year that should take us 10 years? We're very impatient towards others and with our situation. And also, it's horrible when someone's impatient with you. I experienced this twice in the last few months. For anyone who's drove in Boston, you'll realize that people are very impatient. I had a drive into Boston this week. Right when I got in there, now, I've I've, uh, made it known that I'm the slowest driver on the East Coast. I just don't care to go fast. And everyone can merge on me. I don't care. I'm like, whatever. My wife drives me. She's like, I can't deal with this. I'm going into Boston. And this cop is kind of at this intersection. He's calling people. He's stopping people. He's bringing people over. And I kind of get stuck in the middle. And so he says, kind of looks at me like, come on. He wasn't too mad at me at that moment. I pull up a little. And I get stuck in the situation where I need to be in that left-only lane. But I'm stuck in the one that has to go straight. But anyone's seen my van, it's like a bus. And so I'm like, man, I don't want to hit a car in front of the cop. I'm trying to pull this thing out. I don't want to have to back up. All of a sudden... I hear banging on the back of my truck. I look back, the cop's yelling at me, move along, move into the left lane. And I'm thinking, man, I'm a grown man. My wife says I always say this, but it's part of me that says that. I'm a grown man, and I respect my authorities. But it really bothered me that this cop was being impatient with me because he didn't understand my situation. He didn't understand what it meant to drive into Boston and be honked at all the time, and people are tailgating you and cutting you off and throwing their, you know, flipping you their IQ. <laughs> he didn't realize what it was like. And so I had another situation where a man was very impatient. There was two situations where I was wiring a fire alarm system in a school, and there was a schematic, and they gave me a carbon monoxide detector. I'm talking trade talk. That wasn't compatible with the fire alarm system they gave me. So the schematic was all wrong. So I had to call the fire alarm guy. And I said, the schematic's not right. And he said, he started explaining. I said, but that's not what this says. He said to me, you're getting me mad. You better listen to me. I said, wow, I'm a grown man. (laughs) And this guy's being impatient with me. It's horrible when you feel like that because you can't do anything. Sometimes it's not even provoked. But we're so impatient with each other. If God drove in Boston, he'd let everybody merge. If God was a landscaper, he'd take his time on that bush. If God was the fire alarm guy, he would say, listen, that schematic's wrong. And I'm going to explain to you how to wire it according to this way. The good news is God is not like us, but he is perfectly patient. Let's turn to Exodus 34, 1 through 6 again. And reread just verses 1 through 6. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. 
and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai. As the Lord had commanded him, and he took in his hand two tablets of stone, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now we see the situation here. This is a holy meeting. God has called Moses up to the mountain. He says, I don't even want animals on the other side of the mountain. This is serious. Don't bring anyone with you. He's already showing his patience by calling Moses back up, by continuing covenant, by writing down the law again, by still loving Israel, writing down the law for his glory and our joy. And he proclaims something that is amazing. Now, many people proclaim stuff. Men proclaim stuff about themselves. And a lot of the times, it's not true. Like Brock Lesnar said, I'm the baddest man on the planet. We realized that when he got in the ring with Cain Velasquez, he was not the baddest man on the planet. He put a beat down on him. But that's a man proclaiming something. But when God proclaims something about himself, you can know this, that it's true. That it will never change. He says, the Lord, the Lord. And we learned when Pastor Matt said when, in Hebrew, when you say something more than once, it's serious. He proclaims that I am slow to anger. He's revealing this to his people. I'm sure this was very comforting to hear when Moses heard this. And I want us to be comforted by these words today. That God is slow to anger. In the way he deals with his people. He is patient. This is hard for us to understand sometimes. Because maybe we come from families. Where our father was very impatient with us. And was angry and quick to anger. Or we just come from a culture or situations. Where people are very impatient. And we ourselves are quick to anger. But God reveals this and proclaims. That he is slow to anger. So we see throughout redemptive history. Over and over and over again. God being slow to anger. But we also see that God is not in a rush. When we look at creation, he takes his time. When you plant a seed, it takes time for that plant to grow. The sun takes time to rise, and the sun takes time to set. All you women who have been pregnant, who are are pregnant, it takes time to have a baby. You know, you get pregnant, it would be weird to say, man, I'm pregnant, we're having a kid next week. No, you have nine months to mentally, for the parents to get ready, to get ready to invite this new soul into your life. The Lord takes his time. His soon is much different than our soon. Some would say that right when Adam and Eve fell, that God should have rushed and sent the Savior right away, at least in the same year. But what does God do? He waits thousands of years before he sends Jesus. Then when he sends Jesus... He intervenes into human history 
You'd think at least by a teen, his teenage years he'd be pastoring a church. I mean, if you have a vacancy, the sons of God is a good fit. But no, he waits 30 years to get into ministry. And this should be a wake-up call for a lot of us who feel called to ministry or feel called to pastor. If the Son of God waited 30 years, we can be patient and take our time. He was much more gifted, much more skilled. Quote-unquote, everyone would say, I'm needed in ministry. God waited 30 years to get into ministry. He met people. He loved people. He worked with his hands. And then he got into ministry. Then he's in ministry. He lives the perfect life. He dies the perfect death. He rises from the dead. He spends 40 days with his followers, and he's getting ready to ascend. And he says something to his followers. He says, I'm coming back soon. I don't know what soon means to you guys, but someone has lunch and say, I'll be back soon. I'm thinking maybe two or three, at least that day. I'm not thinking thousands of years. God's soon is much different than our soon. He takes his time. He will come back when it's the right time. And I thank God that God is not in a rush. Because we would not be incorporated and grafted into his plan of redemption. And I want us to really hear that. That God is not in a rush. He's slow to anger and he takes his time doing things. God is slow to anger towards us. And let's turn back to Psalm 103. We're just going to read verses um, 6 through 11. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. So we see David piggybacking on what Moses said. He acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. God is so slow to anger with his covenant people. And I want us to focus on these two verses. He does not deal with us according to our sin. Actually, it's the same verse, verse 10. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. We deserve for God to be impatient with us. Some might say, God's patient with me and I deserve it. None of us deserve for God to be patient with us. He has all the right to be quick to anger with the people who continue in sin. But instead of repaying us according to our iniquities, he repays us by sending Jesus to die for our sins. He repays us with Jesus who bore the wrath that was ours to bear. Over and over again, he is patient with us, and we can thank Jesus for that. He deals with us so patiently as his people, and his perfect patience is demonstrated in us. In 1 Timothy 1.16, it says that the perf- God's perfect patience was demonstrated in Paul that he might be example to those who believe. And I want us to think about Paul for a moment. Paul was a blasphemer, he was a persecutor, and he was an opponent of the gospel. 
God was patient with him all those times when he was persecuting Christians. He was patient with him when he was denying that Jesus was the Christ, when he was blaspheming God. He was patient with him so that his perfect patience would be made known when he awakened him to the truth of the gospel for the glory of God and for his joy and for our joy and for all who would believe. God was patient with Paul. And I'm sure many of us can look back on our lives before Jesus awakened us to the truth, before we responded and put our faith in Christ and say, wow, God was patient with me. He wasn't quick to anger. He was patient with me. He took his time. I made mistakes. He should have been quick to anger. But he still is patient with me. Not only is God patient with his covenant people, he's patient with those who would reject the gospel, with those who would stomp upon his patience and continue in stubborn sin. God is patient because he's powerful. God's patience displays his power. And I just want to use a little story to help us to understand this. When I was young, I was in Little League, and there was this kid. He was the MVP of the team. You know, he was like the pitcher. He was the shortstop. He hit a home run every time up, at least once a game. Then intentionally walk him. He was the toughest kid on the street. He was like, on August 1st, he had his birthday, and that was the cutoff. So he really was a year older than everyone. It wasn't fair. And so I seen him beat up a few kids, and he wasn't like a punk. He wasn't starting fights, but I seen him beat up a few kids on the block that were bigger than him. He was the man. Everyone thought he was cool. If you were a 12-year-old at this time, you thought he was the man. One day, another kid on the team walked up to him. Kid was a smaller kid. Um, this kid who was the MVP hadn't even provoked this kid. But um, he walked up to him, and he slapped him twice. Psh, psh, real hard. I'm talking wound up from the toes and slapped him. So I'm sitting back, I'm in. This kid's going to bang this kid out. Because I've seen him beat kids twice his size. But for some reason, that kid stood there like the slaps did not phase him. And he just walked away. I said, how could he restrain himself? How could he be that patient? He looked more powerful in that moment than he ever looked when he was hitting home runs or when he was beating up kids that were bigger than him. God's patience shows his power that he can be, he's so mighty that any moment he could just start throwing down lightning bolts or wipe everyone out. He's so powerful that he can restrain himself. Not that he's given over the passion like us, but he can restrain himself and not pour out his wrath. But he bears with much patience vessels of wrath fitted for destruction to make his power known. This is a really deep theological concept, so I'm going to scratch the surface of it today in this area and have everyone toss us around in their SCs. Soul cares. Let's turn to Romans 9.22. I want to see you guys to see this flesh out in Scripture. Because I'm just amazed... And it's a testament to God's patience that he looks down on a world that is full of war and murdering and people mistreating each other and people lying and people worshiping other idols. And I'm amazed that the sun just comes up every day, that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That's a testament to God's patience with all of us. 
So in Romans 9.22, it says, What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And I'm just going to use the same example Paul used to help us understand the scripture. So he referred to Pharaoh earlier in the chapter. Now, I want us to look at Pharaoh in the time of Moses. Pharaoh enslaved God's people, and he persecuted God's people. He worshipped other gods. He believed himself to be a god. And he rejected the command of the prophet, the command of Moses to give to let God's people go. Now, you would think that God, who has every right, would just smash Pharaoh at that moment. You've rejected me. You're mocking me. You're blaspheming me. But no, God endures with much patience, Pharaoh, in order to make his power known at the right time. So he doesn't destroy him in the plagues. He, doesn't even, he gives Pharaoh plenty of time to repent. And I want everyone to see this. God is patient with all. Pharaoh saw the mighty wonders of God before his eyes, the God of Israel. He saw that Moses' God, the God of the Bible, was God. And he still didn't repent. He chose to continue in stubborn sin. And God waited and waited. And finally at the Red Sea, you see God's power being brought forth in judgment and wrath on Pharaoh, all his warriors and all his army. God made his power known that he was able to be patient with Pharaoh, and that he finally poured out his power and judgment and wrath on Pharaoh. So we see two end games here, and I want us to really think through this. His patience towards vessels of mercy, those who would respond to the gospel, put their faith in Christ, accept the free gift of salvation. But then we see vessels of wrath who would presume upon God's patience and reject him. And continue in stubborn sin. And God is patient to make his power known. Now how does this apply to our life? First of all, we are blown away that a God so holy is perfectly patient with us. And some would say, Joey, why aren't you just getting up in here and telling us all to be patient? Be patient with everyone. I definitely say be patient with everyone. But we, come, we become like the object that we worship. So if we keep magnifying Jesus, if we keep magnifying God, if we understand the moral perfections of God and we worship him for it, we will start to come, become like him. Now, you see this? When Michael Jackson passed away, did you see all his fans slash worshipers come out? What did you see? You saw a lot of leather jackets and white gloves. You saw a lot of dance moves. Everyone had danced like Michael, acts like Michael, talked like Michael. In the same way, when we continue to worship Jesus for his perfection, work of God for his perfection, we will become more patient. Secondly, I want you to think about the gap between God's perfection and our imperfection. Because many of us are impatient with people because we feel like they're not at our intellectual level or our moral level. So we're impatient with them. But when we, paro- we ponder that gap between a perfect God and an imperfect people, and he's still patient with us, That should cause us to respond by being patient with others. Also, we should not feel ever like you are worshiping or serving an angry God. Many of us us might look at us, say our lives and where we are right now in life and say, I should be further. I keep 
fallen into the same sin. I would encourage you to continue in repentance. But God is not angry with you. He's not standing over you saying, man, when is he going to figure this out? Or when is he going to stop this? He's perfectly patient. He's not like us. We can't think of him like one of us. He's perfectly patient. And he's bearing with us. And he's transforming us by his grace and by his spirit. Also, for anyone who has not put their faith in Jesus, I encourage you to repent and put your faith in a patient God. His arms are open. He offers the gift of salvation to all who would believe. He is perfectly patient. There's not one man who will stand before God and say, God, you were not patient with me. Seven Mile Road, God is perfectly patient. Let's worship him. Let's praise him. Let's rejoice in his perfection. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much that you are perfectly patient. And I'm so thankful that I can proclaim those words that our God is slow to anger and rich in love. As we continue to respond to this truth, I pray that you will be blessed as our worship comes up to your throne. Cause us to be a patient people, Lord. We're so impatient sometimes. We need your grace, Lord, to help us through. Amen.